Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast, here for the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. We had the privilege today on Sujit's birthday of playing the New England Patriots for the second time this year. It was terrible. We lost big time. Uh, the game is still going on, but after that pooch kickoff by Carpenter, I think our team has finally rolled over and died. I'm Lars. Joining me today, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is here. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Uh, and live and in person from Bruce City, USA, Buffalo, Bill Belcher also with us. Bring it. And the birthday boy, Sujit. I don't know what you're talking about. We won, and nothing's going to ruin my birthday. Find us online. Uh, just search for Bills and Beers. That's the best way to find us on Twitter and on Facebook. And if you are on social media, use the hashtag BNBSM to be entered to be the social media listener of the week. We do have a t-shirt to give out today. More on that in a second. Subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everybody you know in Bill's Nation how you found us. Gang, let's not waste any more time. Uh, now that the Patriots series is finally over for the year, let's just let's just get in and out and get this over with. Shout it right now, baby. Say come on, come on. Come on and shout. So this game got out of control fairly early. Um, final score was what, 44 to 25, 41 25, excuse me. But it wasn't all bad, actually. Uh, it was mostly bad. It was almost all bad. Uh, I guess we can. I guess we could try to find a bright spot here or there, somewhere. Bill, we'll start with you. Try to find some positive in our annual beatdown from the New England Patriots. Who is your Jenny Cremail, excuse me, Labatt Blue MVP of today's game? My Labatt Blue MVP of today's game was the uh, NFL schedule maker for lining up the Patriots in the first half of our schedule, therefore giving us at least that out of the way for the rest of the year. So we don't have to play the Patriots until we face them uh, in the playoffs in the second round in New England when we beat them. My Labatt Blue MVP of the year is, excuse me, of the day, uh, not of the year, no offense, uh, goes to Sujit because it's his birthday and he didn't drink all game. So. You bastard! You took my MVP! All right, that is just a low blow. And Lars could not be more satisfied with himself because there was nobody worth picking today and I was going to pick myself because it was my birthday and that bastard stole it. That was brilliant, you evil genius. All right, now actually I am going to say that um, I'm going to give my Labatt Blue MVP to none other than I have a tendency of picking punters and Colton Schmidt's getting my MVP. I don't know why he dropped the ball. I don't know why he swallowed the fly, but I don't know why he dropped the ball. But he uh, picked it up and ran for a first down, and it was the only exciting thing that happened on the Bills offense. Well, whatever, on the Bills, period, all game. Round us out now, Cass. Do you have a Labatt Blue MVP of today's game? Yeah, my Labatt Blue MVP of the game goes to the person that snuck the dildo into the game and threw it on the field. Yeah. That, was, that, was pretty, yes. that was pretty remarkable. Now, I would actually like to say there's a couple things that I, I do want to highlight here quickly. <laughs> One, we sacked Tom Brady like five times today. Um, that's, that's always just a – it's always a good kind of like door prize when you, when you can bring him to the ground as many times as we did today. And also, Suge, uh, we took some shots downfield and drew some pass interference today. We had um, fuck all at wide receiver today, so we weren't really expecting them to ever actually catch the ball. But several times we threw it downfield, got the call, and uh, it's refreshing to see because most professional teams do that, and I guess the Bills are finally caught on. You know, I will say, if I wasn't just being pure snark with the pick of our Lobat Blue players, I would probably have to say that uh, Walt Powell actually probably deserves a Labatt Blue player. Uh, because of the fact that he is repeatedly beating his man and was, you know, making an attempt to make one-handed catches. Uh, and, you know, if Tyrod could actually throw the fucking ball at an NFL level, oh, no, I wasn't going to swear. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff's mom. <laughs> so, uh, so, anyways, if, if Tyrod could actually throw the ball at an NFL caliber, then we would have something there. Uh, but uh, we don't. And also, it should be noticed that Mike Gillsley, as he always does, ran pretty well today. And and to layer on top of that, honorable mention maybe to Ronald Darby. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. I think we're going to talk about his counterpart at great length, yeah. beginning right now. 
And actually, Justin Hunter did okay, I guess. Uh, we, I mean, we literally were down to scraps at wide receiver today. It was pathetic. And, you know, we kept hearing from all the New England fans that the first game didn't count because Brady didn't play. So I guess that must be true of today since Watkins, Shady, Goodwin, Woods hardly played, Clay went out, Lorax was out. Uh, did I already say Goodwin? Salas was out. So I guess today didn't count either. So good news, Bills fans, today did not count. The Jenny Cremail bummer of today's game. There's a high likelihood that we're all going to select the same person. Bill, prove me wrong. Who is yours? Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush needs to get off the NFL field, and we need to just, just cut him. Just cut ties with him. He's adding absolutely zero value to our team. He returned that one kick that was three yards in the back of the end zone. We end up getting a holding call on that one. So we start out instead of the 25-yard line, start out on the five-yard line. Not to mention his brilliant use of his brains. Oh, wait, no, he wasn't thinking at all when he had that stupid little run option, pass play. I mean, we all, I don't even need to recap it. We all know what happened there. That was just a disgrace. And we don't even get to see Kim Kardashian on the sidelines. Come on. Cass coming to you now. Wait, is it Kim Kardashian or is she married to Kanye? What's no? They yeah, used to well, be dating. Welcome to 2016. Yeah, yeah bro. they used to be dating. Never yeah, mind. It, like, okay. Cass, <laughs> I don't follow the news. <laughs> Cass coming to you now. Yeah, Lars, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the easy Thank one you. there Thank and you. go for uh, Stephon Gilmore. Well, now just just to not real the first quick, time you've been easy. Just just to interject, I mean Reggie Bush is a fine choice because oh God, what what is he doing? But uh, yes, Cass. Yeah. Please, go ahead. Go I mean, ahead. I, I, we, we will add in where necessary, but why don't you get us going? I have complained about him across the board. I mean, from his lack of actually participating in plays, like sometimes he's like, looks like he's afraid to make a tackle or like hugs someone just like awkwardly rather than taking them down. Missing many times on any coverage. And I know that we discussed that on the first or second touchdown to Hogan, the touchdown to Hogan that maybe there was a safety over the top that was supposed to be helping him out. But why is it every single time Gilmore gets scored on, he's always, like, looking around, being like, oh, who was supposed to help me out? Like, nobody. No one's helping you out. You actually have to play in the game and make a tackle. Third and 11. Quarterback, doesn't matter which team drops back. Hold it, holding it, holding it, holding it, hold it. Incomplete pass. Flag on the play. Defensive holding, Stephon Gilmore, number 24, five-yard penalty, automatic first down. Happened, what, three times today? Oh, at least. And my I – someone needs to explain to me that, like, is, is maybe this is the way you play, like, two cornerbacks, but, like, Darby is always up on the line, like, bumping or looks like he's – but and then Gilmore's just, like – when the ball's being snapped, like, already dropping back five yards. And I also, don't understand it. When the ball is thrown to whatever receiver Darby's guarding, Darby's on him. Yeah. When the, yes. When, when the ball is thrown to whatever receiver Gilmore's guarding, Gilmore is three yards behind the plate. And it's been that way the entire time he has been a member of this team. And I've kind of just sat back and watched the Gilmore debate take place. And a lot of people out there are like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. No, he's really good. He's really, really good. Then why are there so many people out there saying, no, this guy kind of sucks, and, and the people who were in his corner saying Gilmore's good, Gil can, can you point to a game-changing play he's made? Can you tell me one time where he, sh he locked down a wide receiver that made, made the opponent's offense go? Because the, t the plays that he gives up, and again, it's always three to five yards off the play on third and long, and there's Gilmore trailing a guy, or he's behind, or, come I mean, comeback routes. Jesus, all you have to do is come back on this guy, or back shoulder throw. You're going to catch the ball every time because he has no clue how to defend it. What is Stephon Gilmore, what does he do out there that the rest of us aren't seeing? Because we sure, we sure see him screw up an awful lot, but there are people out there claiming that he's some kind of elite shutdown corner. He wants to be paid like one. That's a joke at this point after two of the performances turned in this year. Suge, we haven't heard from you. Were you going to pick somebody else for your Jenny Creamville and Baumler, or did you, want to, did you want to pig pile here on Gilmore a little longer? No, I mean, there's so much. There's so much that went wrong in this game. Uh, yeah, Stefan Gilmore deserves at least three to four different uh, Jenny Creamville Bummers of the week. Uh, but I'm actually going to go ahead and uh, pick on Jerry Hughes. I mentioned this during the course of the game. Uh, you know, one thing I mentioned was that when Shane Conlon was across from Bruce Smith, 
No, 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 not even close. Phil Henson was across from Bruce Smith. Um, see, see, even when I talk about the old Bills, I get the players wrong. Um, but when Phil Henson was across from Bruce Smith, you know, he got the benefit of playing across from Bruce Smith, and he got a bunch of sacks that he might have otherwise not gotten. You could say the same thing is happening with Lorenzo Alexander, but the difference is that Phil Hansen never outsacked Bruce Smith. Jerry Hughes has done nothing all season. He has the exact same move, and each time the left tackle, right tackle, whoever it is that he lines up against, just pushes him to the ground because he takes this low center of gravity, angled route, and it's a it's a speed rush, and it kind of looks like um, that idiot that we traded to the Jets, Aaron Maben. Aaron Maben. Um, it's just this pure speed thing, and, and, and it's not getting anywhere. He never is even close. So, uh, I, I mean, I think how he's all know, hurt. I'm, I'm very happy not, with that. How do you know that's not his job? Like, guys in Rex Ryan's defense, the defensive ends, have never, necessar- have never necessarily been set up to be making the plays. It's always been the linebackers. Well, because Loren- he is a linebacker. Yeah, I mean, he plays the same position Lorenzo Alexander does on the other side, right? So I think the reason I feel that is that his job is to pass rush. You hardly, I mean, maybe he plays a decent job against the run, but people aren't running, the people are running up the middle against us, not that much around the side. But when his job is to pass rush, I mean, he pass rushes a lot, and he's not getting to the quarterback. So, you know, I have to pick someone, and uh, I kind of feel like he's been a disappointment this year. I think that in this defense, it's this defense that's actually starting to come together to some extent, uh, although it didn't really show it today. But like Lars will probably get into, I think that's mostly a byproduct of a horrendous offense. Um, the he just hasn't he hasn't performed when other people have started to step up and form. When you have Zach Brown and Preston Brown finally like doing a good job in this offense, Lorenzo Alexander doing a good job in this offense, um, even people like Ronald Darby learning to play a complete game as a as a corner, uh, and he just hasn't been able to do that. So I do actually want to pull back and talk about this greater game and, and get out of the weeds a little bit and talk about what we should take away from it. And I, I will say that this time it, it wasn't about the offense not holding up its end of the bargain. I mean, it was in the sense they didn't score enough points, but as, as we're watching the highlights here, the two plays that, well, four plays that were the difference in this game, one, the blown coverage to Hogan, I don't care if the safety missed it or Stephon Gilmore just got beat because he couldn't keep up with Chris effing Hogan uh it was still one of the plays that turned the game the other one was Rob Gronkowski one-on-one against Nikel Roby Coleman for a touchdown and then the other two were to end the second quarter the missed field goal and then I mean you knew that they were gonna get three points I mean it wasn't even a question it was just a question of like how how far was Kostowski gonna kick it from it and and make it we all knew that it was gonna happen so that right there is a that's that's 20 points. That's 20 points in a 16 point game. And I'm not saying that we lost the game because of that, but th- but those those plays are what were the difference here. And and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the fact that we couldn't move the ball. Offense is going three and out. Defense is getting gassed. I would I will up and down make the case for that's what happened last week in Miami, but not today. So I do want to get into that in a second here and talk a little bit more globally about this Rex Ryan defense. Is it a sham? What what can we honestly have to say about it? But first, I, I will I do have to give a quick shout out here to our social media listener of the week. I'm sure this is a great day for him because he confessed last week on Facebook that he actually enjoys the podcast more after a loss. So, Mike Pauly, I hope this podcast is everything you were hoping it would be and more. Mike uh, comes to us from Hartford, New York, I believe, New Hartford, New York, something along those lines. And according to his Facebook profile, he studied brain surgery at Harvard University. But me thinks that's a ruse. But, Mike, we know you're listening uh, shoot us back on Facebook. Uh, send us a message with your shirt size and address, and we'll get a Bills Backers of Chicago t-shirt mailed to you. Now, for everybody else, lots of people now using that hashtag, BNBSM, both on Facebook and on Twitter. Keep using it. We had a couple people on Facebook this week use it for the first time. Love to see that. You guys are already in the running uh, for next week, so if you come back to us again, know you're listening, and uh, happy to talk with you online. I'm going to be a little more active this week on social media. Last week I was a little bit cranky and a little bit busy with my boss out that I really wasn't around to, to speak much. Wait, wait, Lars, you were, you were cranky last week or you are cranky today? Okay, you know, I'm actually not that cranky today, but the more more times I get being accused of being crankier, the crankier I'm getting. I'm, 
Anyways, so just playing, just playing, just playing. Let's back up for a second. So uh, again, it wasn't a byproduct of non-complimentary football. The Patriots just straight up put up 41 points today on Rex Ryan. Now, granted, they were still throwing the ball late in this game, so there is a little bit of a Bill Belichick takes these things personally and and wants to just run Rex Ryan's teams into the ground. But how, what are we supposed to take away from this? Because there's going to be callers galore on WGR. Twitter's going to be a mess. Facebook's going to be a mess. Message boards are going to be a mess. Rex Ryan needs to go. What is this defense? It's antiquated. We can't win football games this way. Our quarterback's no good. What are we supposed to take away from this? I think that when we talk about complimentary offense, complimentary defense, uh, I think our defense, as soon as our offense gives up two three and outs in a row, our defense just shuts down. They get tired too easily, and there are some fundamental flaws in our defense. Our corners are not up to speed, and our safeties certainly can't back them up the way that safeties need to back up the corners in a Rex Ryan defense. Uh, you know, I think not having Aaron Williams is significantly hurting us. I think not us not getting the pressure that we need to get uh, is a little bit concerning. Now, I will say that when we blitzed Tom Brady, he was off his mark. There was a lot more passes that I saw Tom Brady throw incomplete this game than I'm used to him seeing. When we did not pressure him and he was able to move around in the pocket or take a few steps away and run outside the pocket, he would complete the ball not for 10 yards, not for 15 yards, but for like 25 yards on a third and 17. I mean, how many third and longs did we have to actually watch the Bills just shamelessly give up and why did that happen is because we stopped blitzing on first and down second first down and second down we were blitzing and we were taking away the uh the pass and we were not allowing a big run but then on third down when it's third and long we're like oh we're gonna drop back into coverage because that's where the skill of our team is not up front not in the front seven but in our corners and you know our our freaking Brandon Spikes and the like are great at co covering the wide receivers from and the tight ends from the Patriots. So, I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot about what was wrong with this, what was I think there was major, major problems with the, not the schemes that were run by the defense, but with the philosophy of the defense. I felt like we needed to be blitzing non-stop. If it means we get torched a couple plays, then that's fine, because you know what? It happened anyways, and the least we could have done is been consistent and just constantly been harassing Tom Brady so that maybe he gives a second thought before he steps forward or to the side. Maybe the next time when he does that, he gets plowed down, and so he's just a little bit more cautious. I mean, there's no secret about Tom Brady. Lorenzo Alexander said it this, uh, this week. He said, there's nothing secret about him. You hit him. That's all you have to do. Sorry, that was Ruben Brown that said that this week on WGR. He said, he's nothing secret about him. You hit him. When you hit him, you're successful. Look at what the Giants did. Look what every team that's beaten the Patriots has done. They hit him. What, look what we did last time we, when we almost beat the Patriots last year. We hit him. But for some reason, even though we were successful blitzing, we stopped doing it. Yeah, I think, and getting back to Lars's question as well, I, I think one of the things is, are we a one or two players away from from turning turning the, the season or the team around or do we need to go out like we were talking earlier and do a fire sale I mean do we need to get rid of everything get rid of the coach get rid of the quarterback like start from scratch I I don't know the answer I I would hope that we're a few players away from being able to make it work um, but I mean it's a few critical players that we would need we need definitely a quarterback we need some qu quarter cornerbacks and quarterbacks I think is, is the two positions that we need so I mean, is it Rex Ryan's defense? I don't know. I, I wish somebody would be able to tell us, you know. Definitively. Yeah. Well, I will never advocate for a fire sale, but two people that I wouldn't mind uh, watching go to, go off into the distance and never come back again. One is Stephon Gilmore. If we don't re-sign him, I'm fine with that. Uh, the other is Charles Clay. And I, I today I kind of reached my wits end with Charles Clay. You, you can't be hurt all the time. You can't not get target targeted. You can't finally get targeted and then drop the ball as much as he has this year and also be making as much money as he is and he's he's been a disappointment and up, and up until now I've been willing to defend him and be like dude he just doesn't have a quarterback to throw in the ball but now when we've needed him the last couple weeks I mean the guy is always hurt and he's had a lot of lot of costly drops Bill has nothing to add so do you guys put this game again on Tyrod Taylor no I don't want to hear any of the any of that talk this week. I just like we know what we've got with him, right? 
Well, he, but he also had, again, he was throwing to our fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth receivers out there, yeah, and, and they were, were dropping, dropping the, the ball. ball. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, but he could have been better. He frustrates the hell out of you. You look at him as he bounces around in that pocket, and you're like, man, dude, why are you bouncing around with your feet? And then why don't you actually run the ball sometimes? Yeah, and that's something that I want to talk about is what happened to our running quarterback? I mean, if Tyrod doesn't have legs, then he is not a good quarterback. He's not even a, a, a mediocre quarterback if he doesn't have good legs, right? That is one of the things that makes him scary, that makes him talented, is his ability to maybe always have to have a linebacker drop down uh, to, to, pr- to protect against him running. But these past few weeks, he runs around the pocket. He starts to look like he might run just until the linebackers have enough time to get right in his face. And that's when he decides to take off. He doesn't say, hey, you know, everyone's 20 yards away from me. I can make 15 just on my feet. And when he's great is when he's in the wide open field, not when he's, like, trying to run through eight different defenders. So he's got to make quicker decisions of when to run. I know we, one of the things we always say is that, you know, it's great that when he's running, he's got his eyes downfield. That's fine. But don't be so tentative when you're going for the run, but you're just kind of like skirting along the sides, just making sure that enough defensive players have you keyed in on, and then you start to run for the I mean, it's just we saw what happened when he had the designed run. He scored a touchdown. It was 26 yards or how, however long it was. When he's given the opportunity to actually run, you know, we talked about this while we were watching the game. David Lee. I don't understand what has happened with, 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 with David Lee. All I know is that every single quarterback on the Bills that David Lee has touched has regressed. It happened to Ryan Fitzpatrick. It happened uh, to Tyrod Taylor. So I think he takes them off of what they do. It's not These are not great quarterbacks. The only reason that they are where they are is because they learned how to play the game their way. You cannot turn them into Peyton Manning. And frankly, David Lee hasn't turned anyone that wasn't already great into an, a great quarterback. So he hasn't turned anybody around. Well, and I, I think when Tyrod came over, everybody was like, oh, my God, he's got a great football mind. Everybody spoke really highly of him. And I've only seen regression there from, like, his being able to understand the game and make the correct decisions. And I would think a full season and a half now into, you know, being a starting quarterback, that that should be improving being able to make better decisions out there, and it isn't. And that's what really, really worries me about him. Well, we talked about, you know, a general awareness. And, again, it was Brandon Tate who had to leave in concussion protocol. He essentially gave himself a concussion because he ran right into a player who was standing right there but had no clue the guy was there. Um, and, generally speaking, our passing game goes this way. It's, it's guys have to make adjustments to catch the ball because the pass isn't on time or if it's not in the right place. Tyrod doesn't is scrambling for no apparent reason, like Bill said. And as we talked earlier about, like, hey, if you could go back to the post-Kelly era and pick any handpick any quarterback, who would it be? And I said Fitzpatrick, and, and I still believe that. One of the things we saw with Fitzpatrick was guys would catch the ball wide open. Why? Because Ryan Fitzpatrick knew how to throw to a spot, and guys would catch the ball in stride with room to run. Now, every once in a while, Ryan Fitz, he would guess wrong and he would throw the ball right into the lap of a defender or he would think that he was better than he was and he'd try to out throw the defense and he would do some dumb shit but for the most part he had what appeared to be a better mastery of the flow of the game the timing the the, the placement and and like where the guy was going to go I mean they, you know the famous hockey player always said like always always skate to where the puck is going not to where the puck is and like that's how you play sports you play a step ahead and and what we see from Tyrod Taylor is a lot what we saw from Trent Edwards the only guy he can hit is somebody on a curl route who's standing with his back to the end zone not going anywhere because he can't hit somebody in stride on a slant or anything like that we do throw slants and underneath routes. It's always behind or right at the guy. He has to slow down and make an adjustment. It's never in a place where he can accelerate and get around the defender. And that is that is by far my biggest gripe with him. And and it's and the result is a a not a professional looking offense. Anybody else got something to add? Nope. Well, I just want to say that it seems like our offense is predicated on somebody screwing up. So I know that's nothing, you know, novel, but the problem is that it's not just a bad quarterback and it's not just bad receivers. When the quarterback does finally make a throw, the ball gets dropped and it's at a critical juncture. And when the wide receivers, you know, wide open three steps down, 
suddenly the quarterback can't get him the ball. That deep ball that he was so great at throwing last year, he suddenly can't do. Uh, and so it's just it's it's components all the time, and it's okay. Our, our running back makes a great move and actually gets uh, you know a twenty yard gain, and Eric Wood has two freaking holding penalties against him that were inconsequential to the play. So it's just it's just bad execution. It's that these guys, if they practiced enough, they didn't practice smart because uh, it's not second nature to them, and it's not it's not well executed at all. And it's just people making mistakes, people not making plays. One last thing on that, and I'm just going to say it, but throwing deep balls to Sammy Watkins and Percy Harvin is a little different than throwing deep balls to Walt Powell and Justin Hunter. We're going to get our, our man, Jammin' Jeff Day, on the line. He's going to give us his tacos calientes from Austin, Texas. This was a pretty bad win, or excuse me, bad loss. It's going to be really hard to defend Rex Ryan. Uh, and, and honestly, it's the, the vitriol against Rex Ryan is, is really tough to manage just because I think so much of it is personal and people just don't like him as a as a as a guy and then they, they figure out ways to to blame it on him but it's, it's really hard coming away with after giving up 41 points at home to say like oh yeah our defensive minded coach now he's doing a great job i am however pretty optimistic about our chances in seattle more on that later first let's get down to jam and jeff day in austin texas i have a feeling i know what jeff's tacos calientes will be That sound means one and only one thing. It means we're turning it down to our man Jam and Jeff Day in Austin, Texas for this week's Tacos Calientes. It's Tacos Calientes. Arriba. Tacos Calientes brought to you by Pocky Chips. Billy got this sombrero If you haven't already, take the hashtag one chip challenge. And as we all know, to, excuse me, Tacos Calientes is Tex-Mex for hot takes. And let me just add real quickly here, um, the one chip challenge was taken on Friday night by Buffalo Bill Belcher and yours truly. And it was uh, bar none the worst 20 minutes of my life. <laughs> it was terrible. It was awful. And I didn't even need a full chip. So, Jeff, thanks so much for that. <laughs> hey, guys. Um I hope you uh, enjoyed that three hours just as little as I did. It was terrible. It was bad. It, it, it was almost as bad as the one chip challenge. No, seriously, I would yeah. I would rather watch that game again though than take the one chip challenge. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> kind of a coin flip to be honest. <laughs> that we I'm would proud win of you guys for taking it. Lars gave um, me Lars gave me the the taco caliente for my birthday. I don't know if that just means he hates me or <laughs> I don't, but he also brought me a cupcake, which was very sweet. Well, hey, tech yes, support. Indeed. I thought your people were supposed to be into spicy things. What's up with that? <laughs> Hey, happy birthday, Sue. Happy birthday racism. to you. Yeah, happy birthday, big guy. All right, lay some tacos calientes on us here, Jeff. Hey, so my, my tacos, I mean, it's, uh, I, was, I was like, where to begin, right? Um, but um, my tacos calientes, I was thinking about this a lot. And, you know, this game actually reminded me in a lot of ways of the Jets game, second game of the season. Um, and my, you know, I, I think that Rex Ryan continues to overvalue the skill set of Gilmore and Darby as a combined top Do two not combine backboard. Ronald Darby in with your vitriol for Stephon Gilmore. So I'm going to stop you right there. Lars wrote I'm, down the word vitriol in his notebook today just so he could say it I'm, a few I'm times. Co- I'm, combining, I'm, combining, I'm combining both of them because I'm talking about them as a combined unit. And I say this because Rex Ryan's defense requires elite-level defensive back play and he has shown repeatedly through the first eight games of the season that he is going to rely uh, for his defensive backs to win the one-on-one battles in man coverage versus their who they go up against and in the when we have faced elite level quarterbacks or receiving tandems or whatnot we have shown the inability to win those battles and then we've shown the inability to adjust from that and I, I, my vitriol for Gilmore is much stronger than that for, <laughs> for Darby. But the point is, they are repeatedly being losing their one-on-one battles. And I think Darby is losing less of them. But what I will say about Darby is my issue with Darby is I think he is a, a, a decent cover guy. And I think he's a great tackler. 
but he does fail to capitalize on the opportunities that are given him in terms of the way of game-changing plays. Fair. And my, you know, and so, and so I think to me, that's my, to me, that's my tacos calientes is like, we, we, and, and today I thought was another great example of it. Rex was going to live and die by the ability for Gilmore to outplay Hogan and for the ability for our other players to cover their men's one-on-one. And yet again, you know, Chris Gilmore Hogan got beat by Hogan. Hogan was schooling. Hogan. Repe- this is Hogan. Repeatedly. We wouldn't even pay him a couple million. <laughs> repeatedly schooled by Hogan. You know, and I just, I mean, I'm sure you guys, I'm sure some of you, maybe all of you gave Gilmore your LVP of today's, your, you know, of today's contest. But it's just outrageous to see what's going on on that side of the ball. It's outrageous. So is this, is, is this a, uh, a global critique of Rex Ryan that I'm hearing? It's a, I, well, yes. I mean, I think it's a critique of not adjusting, particularly at halftime in these games, especially with Fitzpatrick and Brady here, where it's clearly he's living and dying by this one-on-one coverage that we're losing. And I think that – I don't know if it's just that his defense isn't capable of playing without the elite defensive back play or he's not adjusting or whatnot, but um, I, I just don't know what to – I don't know what to say about it. I mean, I guess the one thing is, have we ever seen a Rex Ryan defense played any other way than this? Have we ever seen them be focused on coverage and not a lot of pass rush? I mean, we, you know, we have we have tried that. It's just that yeah. we're not built for that. We have Brandon Spikes covering Rob Gronkowski for God's sakes. Yeah, uh, I mean, I saw, you know, I mean, Gronkowski had two catches for 80 yards. You know, for the for the game, I know he had 110 yards. But I'm saying specifically, had two catches for 80 yards when he was matched up against. Five foot six, Roby Coleman, and you know, and run stuffer Brandon Spikes, and that's no, and that's not a, that's not a discredit to either of those two players. They're both very good at a specific skill set, but you know, Brady's going to capitalize on those mismatches, you know, nine times out of ten, um, you know, and that's what makes the Patriots so darn good. Um, you know, I mean, we're not the only ones that they've victimized. You know, I mean, Brady's thrown now what eleven TDs, zero interceptions since he's been back, and he's on track to be the league MVP after missing the first four games of the season. Right. Um, but so, by the way, know, by the way, like, a truth that is lost on most Bills fans. Bills fans watch Tom Brady carve us up and think that we're the only ones he does this to. And that correct. is fundamentally wrong. Yeah. I mean, he does that. I mean, the Patriots do this to everybody. And, you know, and again, I mean, this guy's not falling for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, we're four and four. You know, we essentially have to go six and two for the rest of the season. I think, though, what this I think what the season has showed to me so far is that we're very much, you know, like most teams, but we're very much a matchup-driven team, and we do not match up well against teams that are going to test us and are capable of beating us one-on-one with our defensive backs. Let me let me ask you, know, you think- this. Let me let me ask you this, point blank. If you could clone Ronald Darby and replace Stephon Gilmore with him, do you think this defense would be fundamentally better? Yes. Yes, I do. So you think we're just one missing personnel piece away from Rex's defense actually working? I, I do think we're better. You know, it's God. I would love. I just want to be in that defensive backs coach's room and hear what they, the conversation is taking place. But I, I, and I say that large because I think Rex is playing Gilmore like he is an elite shutdown corner, and he continues to play him like that, and he continues to show that he's not that. And then even worse is. He's the worst. You know, we've talked about this. He might be the worst tackler in the NFL. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I don't even say I don't even say that in, in an exaggerated manner. I mean, I honestly think Stephon Gilmore might be the worst tackler on, a, on the defensive side of the ball in the NFL. And so, when he not only is he giving up touches, but then he he doesn't get it, the players down. He's obviously not forcing any fumbles, right? I mean, he's. I mean, I thought we saw that evidence today. You know, the, the Patriots were in the red zone at one point. And it was obvious that their their strategy was to go after Gilmore in the red zone. And he you know, seems including, he seems fundamentally incapable of not committing defensive holding on third and long. It's unbelievable, right? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. You see that flag and you know it's going to be. We called it today at the bar. So and and this is not this is not me saying Gilmore is a bad defensive back. That would be I think that's I think that's silly to say that. I think it's silly to say he's a bad defensive back. But this is me saying, and we've you know. How many times has Gilmore received the, the Jenny Cremel bummer of today's week on this podcast? Too many. You know, probably more from, from me. Per- from me alone? Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. You know, Cassie. I mean, you give it to him, and, and honestly, like for an elite player to get that many times, something's wrong, right? 
I and think, I think that's one of the problems I see with Gilmore is that everyone's like talking about, oh, well, you know, the the tape doesn't lie, the tape doesn't lie. Uh, you know, that's what that's what he says when he was talking about his contract, and everyone's like, no, you don't understand. He's an amazing <laughs> player, and it's these freaking idiots on stadium wall that have never played a down of football in their life. Not that I, oh, actually, I have played. I played for two years, but. Uh, but still, who, who know nothing about football, and I'll be the first one to admit that I know nothing about professional-level football and how to critique a cornerback. But you know what? When I see good cornerback, cornerbacks, I, 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 you get it. You see it. When you see Darrell yeah. Revis plays, you see passes defensed. You see interceptions. You see them making plays on balls. You see open field tackles. You don't see them running you know, after their man. You see, if anything, they get beat, but they had great coverage, much the same way that Darby got beat today. He had, was blanketing his person, and the guy just made a great play. Uh, so you just don't see that with Stephon Gilmore. You don't see him making plays. Hell, you, you guys remember that period of time when Leotis McKelvin really showed up and started making great <laughs> plays, and he was, he was just, you know, during that period of time, that was an example of a person who's playing great corner. You just don't see that from Stefan Gilmore. What what I struggle what I struggle with him is I just don't see him make like that one-on-one tackle or like just really take somebody down. No, he Darby always, does it all the time. He always needs help. He always needs assistance and he never puts on that like really tough hit on anyone. It's always just kind of lukewarm. Just everything you know, is mediocre. And if you're, you know, the other player, you know, in the NFL, in recent, relative recent history, a little bit dated history, you know, one of the other worst tacklers as a defensive back in the history of the NFL was Deion Sanders, right? But Deion Sanders, you were able to, you're able to live with that, of course. He's a Hall of Fame player because he had elite level coverage skills, returnability, et cetera. And so, you know, that weakness like Reggie Bush. didn't. Yeah. Have you guys talked about Reggie Bush? No, I was, I was actually him? completely thinking that you were going to. Do you, well, did you, do you have a taco caliente about Reggie Bush as well? Let me. I can't even begin to. Start. By the way, can we just talk about how fired up Jeff is right now? Uh, he was my bummer. He was my bummer. Reggie was. Yeah, he was your bummer. He's your bummer. My hot take is that you're what? If that guy. You're what? My tacos caliente is if that guy sees another down of football wearing a Bills uniform, that is, uh, that is a, that is, that is a coaching error. That it is, is a travesty. A, it is. I mean, I have never. This guy, his, his stat line for today's game, right? For the listeners that couldn't tell on that they're on their own with their own eyes, was two rushes for negative eight yards, one fumble, and two carries outside of two kickoffs that he returned from from inside the end zone that failed to make it to the twenty yard line, one that failed to make it to the fifteen. He, he did. He did have one season, nice catch. He did have one he had, nice. He catch. had one nice catch. He did. He did have one nice catch. And his stat line for the season is nine rushes for negative two yards. That's a stat line for the season. And this guy, I we're just, giving I him the ball. We're giving him the ball when Mike Gillisley. I mean, somebody look up the stat of what Mike Gillisley's average yards per carry is. What? Seven point one today. Yeah. It's right, Mike crazy. Had, why Mike are we Gillisley not had, just running? And why didn't he? Oh God. Mike Gillisley today's game had twelve carries for eighty-five yards, one TD, average seven point one. That was the stat line today. And, and, and that yet, wasn't you know, all gained in garbage time. That wasn't like, oh, we're just going to drop everyone back and, yeah, we'll give you no. the eight years. That was during the first and second quarter. Like, what the hell? Why didn't we do that against the Dolphins? And why didn't we keep doing that against the Patriots when at the half, right before we did something dumb and gave up, you know, a, a, an extra field goal at the end, why didn't we do that during when we were still within eight points? And, and, and that's when we had two, under two minutes, two timeouts. And our defense was already getting gassed because previously we had done nothing on offense and gone two, three and outs in a row. Why weren't we just feeding him the ball until they put nine men in the box and then you let Justin Hunter and Walt Powell beat the corners the way that they've been beating the corners? But this time they're wide open. There's no safety coverage. There's no nothing because the defense is keyed in on Mike Gillisley. I mean, if you don't, if you think the Patriots were, you know, kicking off to Bush because the wind was moving in that direction, you don't, you don't know the Patriots and you don't know football. You know, I mean, the Patriots. We played, we played eight games, and the Patriots, very obviously, and because they're the smartest team in the NFL, and they take every little advantage they can, recognized that kicking the ball to Reggie Bush on kickoffs is an advantage, and they capitalized. You know. And it's just, it's infuriating to see um, Reggie Bush from week one when he ran the ball for two times for like negative 12 yards. We've been saying, what value is this guy adding to the football team? Yes. And Jeff, I just don't, he's, at, he's not adding any positive value. It infuriates me to see him out there. Jeff, what are you drinking down there in Austin today? 
I was drinking actually. Um, I was I was watching the game from my apartment with a couple of friends who supported me. They left in the, not some not Bills fans, but they came to support. They they left in the third quarter. They brought you some dark um, chocolate and roses. Yeah, so we were actually we're just drinking Miller Lights during today's game. So Milwaukee's wow. best. Wow. Yeah. Is it Milwaukee's yeah. best? Buffalo Bill Belcher may may not agree. Yeah. Um, so anyway, drugs. you know the sky the sky's not falling for the Bills. You know we're four and four. We have you know we get to play the Jaguars, Jets, Browns, Dolphins again. Um, but we certainly, you know, we're, I, like I said, I think we're a matchup driven team. I think we can beat a lot of teams. I really do. But I think we've shown a propensity not to be able to compete with teams that have sort of a, a you know, an elite passer or an elite wide receiver duo. And we fail to adjust to, to give our defensive backs any meaningful help. We'll leave you with that. Jam and Jeff, they always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Go Bills. All right, guys. Go Bills. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode, which means it's the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card! And this is Bills and Beers. We talk about the Buffalo Bills, but we do so drinking beer. Per always, we were having Labatt Blue during the game. Uh, and we, we showered the weekly rotating beer menu here at Lincoln Station with praise last week. This week's was just okay. So I went with an old standby today, uh, the Alpha King out of Bridgeport, which is somewhere in Illinois, I do believe. It's an okay beer. It's a pretty uh, generic. Alpha King is Three Floyds, is it not? No. Yeah. Oh, what am I thinking yeah, of? I'm thinking uh, of Pop Czar. Uh, what, what am I drinking? Alpha King? Alpha King. From Three Floyds. Yeah. Which is in Munster. Yeah. Okay. You do the monster. Wait, what is that song? The monster. The monster mash. <laughs> monster mash? It yeah. was a graveyard smash. So tomorrow uh, is Halloween, which means it's the last day of October, which means it's the last day that I have to listen to the Halloween party radio station on Pandora, which means I'll probably hear Monster Mash tomorrow for the 50, 51st, 52nd, 53rd, and 54th time. Cass, what are you drinking? Uh, I went with just a standby. It's okay. The Dortmunder Gold, I don't even know where it's from. I can barely even drink right now after inviting a little bit too much Friday and Saturday night watching the Cubs lose. But uh, Yeah, it should, it should be noted here, Cass, that you are primed for one of the worst sports weekends of your life. Uh, uh, yeah, H- hands down. Hands down. I don't think it can get much worse. But there is a chance of redemption tonight. I will be in Wrigley Field cheering as loud as I can to, uh, to, t- to force this definitely into a game six. By the time you're listening to this, the game will either have commenced or will be over. So uh, send your thoughts, your prayers, turn your existence into a million beams of light. Send it with only positive energy towards one Miss Cassie Hutton and the Chicago Bears, if you would. Bill. Chicago <laughs> Cubs. Or the I, don't, Cubs. I don't care about the Bears. The Bears need your help, too. But. Yeah. Uh, what's the difference? Cubs, Bears, who cares? Cubs, Bears, who gives a shit? Bill. Oh, my. I'm drinking the old Harvest Ale from Founders. It's a quite quite good that's all i got it's a hell of a description <laughs> the uh halloween tomorrow I, i'm not expecting any trick-or-treaters so did you get trick-or-treaters where you are yeah we do have we do get trick-or-treaters we're in a, a closed off little complex so we had our trick-or-treaters come uh on friday we had a trick-or-treating in the complex suge bought a place that had walls to keep out the normies yeah uh, you know it's high you know there's like metal electric fences and things like that um, you didn't ask me what I was drinking, and I was drinking a beautiful glass of amazing water because those bitches got me working. Uh, but, um, oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to say that? Okay, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on my birthday. I'm mad about it. Um, okay, so, uh, you know, it is Halloween, right? So we all go trick-or-treating. We all went trick-or-treating when we were kitty kids, and Bill still goes now. He goes from house to house asking for beer. It's sad and also a little bit beautiful. Uh, but we want to know, you know, as you're going trick-or-treating through Buffalo, you go to the different Bills players' houses, and uh, Billy's got a story he's going to share about Jim Kelly. Well, so when I I grew up in Orchard Park and would always go, to make a point to go to... Speaking of affluence. Speaking of... Wait, oh wait, I just repeated what you just said. <laughs> so we used to jo- go around to uh, Hillsboro where uh, Jim Kelly lives, still lives, and... The reason why we would go there, not only to see Jim Kelly, because he would actually greet you at the door, but he would also hand out big, huge, king-size Hershey bars. 
which was incredible. Everyone else hands out the just little plain fun size. M- like milk chocolate Hershey's, because that's kind of weak sauce. Well, they do that, and then what are those? Because I don't like the peanut things and whatnot. Well, I mean, Hershey's with almonds, but they also like Mr. Goodbar, Crackle. No, but let's the... Uh, Snickers, Butterfinger. Kit Kat? Kit oh, Kat's yeah. big? Yeah. They, they Butterf- Kit Kat does not have nuts in it. No, but it's got a big wafer. That's true? It's a crunchy wafer. Yes. Yeah, there are no nuts in a Kit Kat bar. Well, whatever. So they, so we, <laughs> so we'd hand out these big ass king size things. He just ruined his memory. And so the question is, the question for you all guys, all these is, years, his mom is telling him he's allergic to Kit Kats. The question is, no, yes. Yeah, so you know what? It's funny that you say that because I did try Kit Kat like last year Halloween, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty damn good. I always thought, <laughs> I always thought that I couldn't have this thing. <laughs> hey, what's in a Snickers, by the way? Snickers nuts. have nuts. Yeah. Nu- nougat, nuts, and caramel. But um, what about Three Musketeers? Nougat and caramel. Okay, so I can have that. Yes. That's good. But three Musketeers suck. Oh. I kind of I kind of like Three Musketeers. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, my dear. Actually, no, bad. no. Three Musketeers is just straight nougat. Uh, Milky Way is nougat and caramel. So if you were to go around to the current Buffalo Bills players' houses, what candy would each player be handing out, and why? Well, we've already had a protracted discussion on the Kit Kat bar, so let me go first. I'm saying it's going to be um, Marquise Goodwin in the Kit Kat bar because everybody knows it's give me a break, give me a break, break me off a little piece of that Kit Kat bar. And just like Marquise Goodwin, who's there's a piece of his knee over here, some of his <laughs> wrist is over there. He's in concussion protocol, so some of his brain is sitting on the banister. But there's pieces of Marquise Goodwin all over the place, just like when you get a Kit Kat bar. Unless you're with three of your closest friends, you got pieces everywhere. So, you know, Booby's gone. <laughs> I mean, it always Can't comes back to, it always comes back to booby d uh but um you know we do still have some some greasy meatballs on our team and that's uh brandon spikes so i'm pretty sure that brandon spikes you know it's friday he's it's his meal before you know the saturday you know getting ready for the game it's probably his big free day after a week of workout i think he comes home and i think that man cooks but i think he cooks naked or just in some boxers and I think that he makes some meatballs, okay? And I think that on Halloween, he makes a bunch of meatballs. And when he answers the door, he's wearing nothing but an apron and some boxers. And he has a bowl full of meatballs <laughs> and a bunch of forks. And that's what he offers the kids. He goes, hey, kids, y'all want some meatballs? And that's what he's giving out. So Brandon Spikes is handing out straight up three-inch meatballs to all the kids. Excellent. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna avoid that house. Um, Meatballs are good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep just really hammering on this guy, uh, just because I, I hate him. Uh, but uh, Stefan Gilmore, and uh, he's going to just serve like probably the most mediocre like Halloween candy that you can get, like some Junior Mints or some crap like that, where you're like. You know, hey, buddy, you, you, he, like, answers. Whoppers? Yeah, right? Like Whoppers. Terrible. Ooh, no, the candy corn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or Nasty the, bastards. Or those, like, ones that were just in the orange and black, like, wrapper that, like, just tasted like yeah. crap. Yeah. And, and the best part about it is, like, you go around to all the houses, and you, like, go trick-or-treat, and, like, the houses are decorated, and, like, they, they have, like, a nice candy handing out bowl, and the person that's handing out usually is, like, wearing at least a hat or something. Like, Stephon Gilmore's house, like, isn't decorated. He's not wearing a costume. Yeah, he's mad you showed up. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, okay, kid. Worst thing about go. it is as, as he's handing out that nasty candy. You look right behind him. He's got, like, two bags of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups right behind oh, him. Oh, yeah, and he's eating them all himself. Yeah. yeah. Bastard. Just, just you ain't getting our Reese's, Stefan. We ain't going to give you no two twenty million Reese's. Yeah, I'd be going to Richie Incognito's house. Nice. And, you know, he'd be handing out this homemade... Made with love candy, all the sweet tenderness that goes into this delicious candy, but it doesn't have a wrapper on it. And then all the parents around the neighborhood would be like, no, you can't eat that. That's some Richie Incognito. That's got poison in it. And all this guy's trying Thank to do. Thank you for reminding me about this, actually. Is be a lover. You know? Everyone's got, got to give him a tough time. Just because he's a racist doesn't mean he's a bad person. Find us online. Just search Bills and Beers. Use the hashtag BNBSM to be next week's uh, social media listener of the week. We are playing the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle on Monday night. Eight days from now. Two national TV appearances in a row. We will um, 
be giving our predictions now. I'm actually feeling pretty strong about this game. I don't think the Seahawks are the Seahawks of three, four years ago. And I think that we may actually match up kind of well against them. They're pretty beat up right now. I think the Bills actually take this one. I, predict, I predicted a loss this week. I, I had a feeling today's game was going to be rough. I think they're actually going to take it next, next Monday in Seattle. Shock the world. It's going to be a grinder. Buffalo 22, Seattle 17. Unfortunately, you know, you know, guys, I, I picked my predictions purely based on uh, superstition and what's going to help the Bills and whatnot, and uh, it's not working. And so I'm just going to actually say what I actually think is going to happen. Um, we suck in primetime. We always have sucked in primetime. Besides the glory years, we've sucked in primetime. So we're going to continue to suck in primetime, uh, and we're going to lose, and it's really not going to be close because, you know, Seattle is not the Seattle of, of, of yesteryear. But this Bills offense will make them look like the Seattle of yesteryear. Um, we're not going to have any answer on how to defend a mobile quarterback, even though we technically have a mobile quarterback. Uh, and we're, our defense is going to make Marsh. Who is, who's playing running back, by the way? Is it still Marshawn? No, he's gone. He's no. gone, right? Who's playing there? No idea. All right. Well, that's, that's Thomas Rawls. Oh, well, that's somewhat better. All right, I'm going to knock down their point total. It's going to be 30 to 21. 30-21 Seattle. Yeah, uh, that's a good prediction. I was going to go about the same as well. I'll knock it down a peg and go 30 Seattle, 17 Buffalo. Yeah, I Seattle hasn't been putting up a lot of points this year. Uh, Russell Wilson's been struggling, um, but their defense also I don't think has been giving up a lot of points. They've had like a 9-7 games and, you know, like really like low-scoring games. So I think we're going to keep with that tradition. Um, and I think that Although I would like to say the Bills are going to win, I just I, I have zero confidence. So I'm going to go 14 to seven Seattle. That sounds like one of our primetime games. That absolutely sounds like one of our. Prime. Well, just search Bills and Beers. Uh, subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Leave a review on iTunes if you haven't already. If you love the podcast, we'd love to know. If you don't love the podcast, keep it to yourself. Uh, and use the hashtag BNBSM to be entered to be uh, next week's social media listener of the week. On behalf of Jam and Jeff Day down in Austin, Tejas, Buffalo Bill Belcher from Brew City, USA, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton, and the birthday boy, the president of the Bills Backers of Chicago. I'm Lars. Go Bills.